Let's go on to God's word this morning, shall we? Turn our Bibles to Mark's Gospel, chapter 10. And we read from verses 46 all the way to chapter 11 and verse 25. It's a long uh, read, but it's necessary for us to uh, understand what the Lord did and uh, how that is so meaningful to us. So let's read probably... Um, one person can read Mark 10, 46 to the end of the chapter and another person, uh, probably two or three people can read um, 10 verses each of, verse, of chapter 11 and maybe the last five verses one person can read. Um, so it'll be good to take turns and read scripture. Mark 10 verse 46 onwards. Amen. Praise God. There are several things that are happening right here. Jesus is on his way um, and uh, blind Bartimaeus is calling out to Jesus and uh, he's calling out to Jesus and saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus heals him. And then he's entering into Jerusalem and he's asking uh, for his disciples to go and find a donkey and its young one, a colt. And they would be uh, tied somewhere and take it and bring it. And if anyone asks, why are you taking it? Tell him the Lord needs it and bring it. And then he um, got onto the colt of this donkey and as he entered into Jerusalem, large crowds gathered around him and they threw their cloaks and their uh, um, you know, the palm branches, they cut down palm branches and put them on the road everywhere and they began to celebrate and shout out, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. And they began to praise and exalt his name. And they came in and then he straight goes into the temple. And there you find that... You know, before he goes into the temple, he finds this fig tree and he finds that there's no fruit there. He curses it. And uh, then he goes into the temple and then he overthrows the money changers and all of those people who are selling, buying and selling in the temple area. And he warned them not to do that. And he said, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. And uh, then... He comes back alongside the fig tree again and they see that the fig tree had withered already. And the disciples are amazed. Already it has withered away as you cursed it. And then uh, you find Jesus is talking about prayer. He's saying, have faith in God. Even if you say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, it will happen. And uh, you see that Jesus is teaching them about prayer, that whatever you pray and ask, it will be done to you. And... Uh, but only thing, if you have not forgiven anybody, forgive them and then you will be forgiven also. You see, a whole lot of things that are happening around the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. Very often we just focus on the colt, the donkey, uh, Jesus riding on the colt and uh, the cutting of palm branches and the waving of them and uh, celebrating the singing of Hosanna the songs that we sing, uh, which have the word Hosanna. And we know that Jesus came into Jerusalem. And traditionally, that has been followed 
uh, all over the world as palm sunday this day the sunday uh, the week preceding the good friday the easter the suffering death the day of the death of jesus and the resurrection incident the week few days four five days before that is the palm sunday this event happened at that time now we all need to understand that it is not just about uh, the celebration it is not just about uh, donkey ride it is not just about the waving of palm branches and celebration but jesus's entry into jerusalem is about jesus entering into jerusalem to suffer and die jesus coming into jerusalem is to do the work of redemption jesus's entry into jerusalem is also um to bring forth the uh, proclamation of his kingdom publicly and for him to be revealed as king as the king of kings as the lord of lords who has come to die on the cross for the sins of all mankind it was uh, an acclamation of his kingship it was the uh, pronouncement or the proclamation that he is king when people came celebrating when people came shouting when people uh, exalted him and said hosanna to the son of david and not only that you find they also say blessed is the coming kingdom of our father david it was all about declaring that jesus is king this victory parade this triumphal procession was a forecast or was a, a demonstration of what is going to be done and the victory that is going to be won on the cross of calvary the victory that is going to be won by his death and resurrection from the dead the victory that he is going to win over the powers and the forces of evil and so jesus is coming in as king if you remember very often even after jesus did dramatic miracles he would always tell those who got healed do not tell anyone very often he would just say go show yourself to the priest or go sh- go uh, tell about what the lord has done in some places he would tell them don't tell anyone he always kept to himself privately and when he often he would also withdraw himself and move away from the crowds because many times people were trying to plot and kill him now he did not come to be killed but he came to lay down his life amen and so he would not allow himself to be killed before time or in some other way he took upon himself a certain way of suffering and death and that was his plan that was the plan of god and so now was a time that he knew that he was going to be publicly betrayed denied um and tried and even though he was not going to be proven guilty of any wrong he's going to be publicly crucified for which he came and so jesus comes boldly publicly as king heading into this week leading into his death and resurrection this victory parade and this morning's message i would like to title it as a victory parade while he comes on this victory parade and while the celebration is going on and while people are waving palm branches and throwing their cloaks and they are celebrating jesus and they are believing that jesus is going to come and right now wage war against the romans and establish the kingdom for israel and he's going to come and be 
uh, and take a position of kingship and rule over the land and they would have to no more be oppressed by the roman authorities they would have no more to pay taxes to caesar they're going to be completely delivered from all this roman rule that is what they were expecting and they in for that purpose they were celebrating not knowing that they, he is coming into jerusalem to be lifted up on the cross and not to come and sit on an earthly throne made of gold and of men's hands. Amen. This is why Jesus is coming, but the people were celebrating for a different reason. And unfortunately, even today, you have many churches who take a procession on the streets and they would wave palm branches and they would, uh, and then after the service is over, you know, they would give palm branches you know, folded and made in the shape of a cross and people would sacredly go and take it and place it at their windows or in their, uh, over the picture of Jesus that hangs on the wall, which is only an artist's imagination of what, who Jesus would have looked like and that is not Jesus. And so they would sacredly place that uh, palm branch on the wall and it would stay there for the whole year until the next Palm Sunday comes it would dry up but it would stay there safely um, and even if by mistake it falls down it would be kept back uh, intact so that there is some form of a protection an angelic protection that would come about because this uh, you know dry leaf is stayed is put up on the photograph of Jesus there is no recommendation of such a practice in scripture. All right. And so it is not necessary. And so we have nothing to say about those who do it, but it is not necessary because there's no practice of such recommendation or any recommendation of something like that to be done. And there is no uh, dry leaf that can ever protect anybody. It is God who protects us. Amen. Hallelujah. And so... Now, the whole point is, even today, like the people in those days missed the point, people miss the point even today. And so, we need to capture what was the point, what was Jesus doing at that, on that day, and so, how does that apply to us today for our lives? Amen. Can we go into that a little more deeper and consider what Jesus did and why he came on this triumphal procession? And what was he doing? Now, he was basically coming and proclaiming that he is king. His kingship was revealed as he entered into Jerusalem. Why? Because he is the king of kings. He is the lord of lords. He comes as a king to rule and reign in the lives of people. He is coming to take control over people's lives because they belong to him. And they have gone away from his kingdom and the kingdom of Israel has been invaded by the kingdom of darkness. Look at the number of people from whom Jesus was casting out demons and it was all in Israel. They were the people of God. They were the chosen people of God. And because they rejected God as king way back in the time of Saul, when the people of Israel were crying out, when Samuel was prophet, they said, you know, we want a king like the like a king in this world, like the nations of the world, we want a king like other nations. And so they were asking for a king. And when they asked for a king and Samuel prayed and God said, anoint this man Saul and make him king. 
let it let them have it let them have an earthly king and they and god spoke to samuel and he said it is not you who they are rejecting they are rejecting me as king and so they want an earthly king and now jesus is coming back to restore his kingship to israel ushering it in his kingdom you know he came proclaiming his kingdom last sunday what a amazing timing as the word that the lord gave us last week was about the kingdom of god and we had a clear understanding about what the kingdom of god is like and some of us can be far away from the kingdom some of us can be near the kingdom and god is calling us to enter into the kingdom amen to come into his kingdom and that is exactly the call that jesus was making while coming into uh, the city of jerusalem publicly riding on the colt of a donkey you remember he never took upon himself a glorious a magnificent a majestic uh, appearance of any kind at any place he always moved about in the crowds just like an ordinary man but this is one occasion you will find that he has been exalted but he still comes not riding on a white horse which any king would do when he comes on a colt of a donkey humble and gentle riding on the colt of a donkey that's what zechariah also prophesies in chapter 9 verse 9 about jesus's entry into jerusalem on the colt of a donkey talking about yes he's the king of kings but he's also humble and lowly amen he's gentle and riding on the colt of a donkey now a donkey is a burden bearer and jesus comes on a colt of a donkey and there's no greatness or glory in that but he took upon himself that but he was coming to reveal his kingship and coming to rule and reign you see the proclamation of the people acknowledged his kingship they said verse 10 blessed is the coming kingdom of our father david jesus was called as the son of david bartimaeus that's why we also read bartimaeus story from chapter 10 you find bartimaeus also calling jesus that way he said in verse 47 of mark 10 jesus son of david have mercy on me when you the moment you say son of david you're appealing to his kingship because david was the king of israel and a king would be born in the lineage of david and he would be called the son of david and the son of david talks about this kingship because god made a covenant with david that there will always be a lamp for him in every generation that his lamp the lamp in the generations to come will not be snuffed out that there will always be a king in the lineage of david and to point to the fact that the king of kings himself is going to be born in that lineage and so when bartimaeus is shouting out lord son of david have mercy on me he's calling out king david the one who comes in the lineage of kingship and the one who rules over everything who has all power and authority come have mercy on me and the same way when the people of israel were also calling out uh, you know and shouting hosanna blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord they said blessed is the coming kingdom of our father david of course they believe that there's going to be an earthly kingdom established right now but this is going to be a heavenly kingdom jesus himself said my kingdom is not of this world my kingdom is not of this world it is a heavenly kingdom he rules and reigns over the lives of people that is his kingship and so he comes to 
uh, you know, his kingship is revealed here while Bartimaeus shouts out and also when the people cry out, blessed is he who comes, who comes to establish the kingdom of our father David. You also see in Luke's gospel chapter 19, let's go and little bit collaborate with the other uh, writers of the gospels who also bring forth the same account of the sequence of events that happened in this triumphal procession. Luke chapter 19 and let's, let's read verses 11 to 27. Again a long read but let's pay attention and read together. Luke 19 verses 11 to 27. While they were listening to this, where? House of Zacchaeus. The preceding passage is Zacchaeus' story. Well, Zacchaeus was a tax collector and Jesus enters his house. Zacchaeus is convicted of his sin. He wants to pay back all those he cheated. And Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house. And verse 11, while they were listening to this, he went on to tell them a parable. Because he was near Jerusalem. Watch that. He was near Jerusalem. And the people thought the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. You saw the understanding of the people? Do you, are you able to connect with what is happening when Jesus entered into Jerusalem? Are you able to connect with why they are saying, blessed is he who comes, who comes to establish the kingdom of our father David? They're talking about, they're thinking Jesus is going to come and establish his kingdom right now in Jerusalem. He's going to take authority and rule. And so they thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. He said, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. You see, again, he's bringing forth the parable about kingship leading into the triumphal procession about kingship. So there's a, the, the writers, the intention of Jesus saying what he's saying and doing what he said and the intention of the authors also arranging their materials that way inspired by the Holy Spirit is for a reason. And watch this as we read. A, noble, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So he called 10 of his servants and gave them 10 manners. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, we don't want this man to be our king. He was made king, however, and returned home. Then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came and said, Sir, your manna has earned ten more. Well done, my good servant. His master replied, Because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of ten cities. Then another servant came and said, Sir, here's your mina. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. You take out what you did not put in and reap what you did not sow. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I am a hard man taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow. Why then didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I come back, I could have collected it with interest. Then he said to those standing by, take his mana away from him and give it to the one who has 10 manas. Sir, they said he already has 10. He replied, I tell you that to everyone who has more, who has, more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what he has will be taken away. But those enemies of mine who did not want to be king over them, Bring them here and kill them in front of me. Those enemies of mine who did not want to be king over them. The man who received the ten 
and multiplied them put them to good use was a man who accepted his kingship but the one who was given one and did not put it to use neither didn't even give it to the bankers and so that he could collect them with interest at some point did not even want to do that he just hid it he just rejected the kingship of this king he did not want to obey him he did not regard him he did not revere him he did not want to do what he said and so he did not receive his reward you see basically this parable jesus is telling here because the people of israel are thinking that he's now going to come and establish a kingdom on this earth and he's going to fight a war he's going to wage a war against the romans and he's going to establish his kingdom he's going to come and rule over them and they will be ridden off of these romans but jesus is saying i have come to you several times several times i have come but you have rejected me but if there are some who accept me like the one who put it to good use even what others have will be given to him and he will be in charge over 10 cities he will be honored in my kingdom he will be given authority he will be given rulership lordship but here for those who reject my kingship even what they have is going to be taken away they're going to lose and so you find this is amazing this parable and then just after this parable comes his entry into jerusalem luke arranges his material that way as he proceeds further he talks about jesus entering into jerusalem you see the one who obeys him the one who receives him the one who allows jesus to be king over their lives they are going to be blessed they are going to be elevated but the people are rejecting him as king they're welcoming him for another purpose but he's basically telling them i'm not going to come and establish my kingship what you really need to receive is to obey my words you need to receive me as your king and you need to obey what i say but if you will receive and do what i say then i will be king over your lives and when i am king over your lives you're going to be ruling over 10 cities you're going to be rewarded for that even the ones who reject and whatever they have is going to be loaded over you disproportionate blessings are going to be bestowed when the one who receives the jesus as king receives him as king you know when you welcome him as your king you acknowledge him the moment you acknowledge him as your king you acknowledge that he has all authority over you because a king has authority a king rules and reigns a king completely takes control he has all authority over his subjects and so when we make jesus our king when we acknowledge him as our king when we celebrate and we shout and we sing this morning hosanna to the king of kings hosanna to the son of david we acknowledge his kingship in other words we take him and have him to have all, all authority over us that he rules and reigns over our lives that we are not going to rule and lead our own lives that we are not going to conduct the affairs of our lives all by ourselves that let him have his say hallelujah 
the king has a say and when the king says something it is settled forever nobody can challenge the king's authority no one can challenge a king's word that's why when esther was about to walk into the king's room the throne room she trembled she fasted and prayed there was a great threat against the jewish people in her day and she was queen made queen and mordecai warned her and said you know if you don't speak up relief will come to us some other way god is able to do that but if god has placed you in this place for such a time as this do not be silent and so she went and prayed even though she was married to the king and she was a queen herself she could not assure herself into the presence of the king all by herself if he would not stretch out his scepter she could even get beheaded she could lose her life if she was walking into the king's presence without any reason without his permission and so is how a king rules that is how a king reigns and so when uh, queen esther you know prays fasts and prays for 3 days and then she's coming into the king's presence she comes with fear and trembling but one thing she knows she has made up her mind and she said because of the prayer god has strengthened her so much that she says if i perish i perish but let me do this if i perish i perish but let me do this and she took the risk of her life and stepped into this king's presence and the favor of god was upon her life and the king stretched out his scepter and received her into his presence and said what can i do for you hallelujah you see the the when a king speaks when a king stretches out the scepter when the king you know seals a, a, an order with his signed ring it is settled forever forever even the king himself cannot revoke it back that is the authority and a power of a king and that's what we need this morning we want jesus to be our king we want him to have his say we want him to rule and reign over us because we know that he is he does the best for us hallelujah even if an earthly king like artaxerxes is able to you know do good for the jewish people because of the prayer because of the petition of 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 esther how much more the king of kings and the lord of lords will show his favor upon us hallelujah amen how much more when he takes control he takes complete charge even if there is a verdict that is pronounced against you he is able to reverse it one more time hallelujah amen even the most irreversible thing god is able to turn it back because he is king may we have him as king over our lives He is calling us to willingly believe in him. He's calling us to have faith in him. He's calling us to obey his word. You see that king who came and gave that 10 minas and the one mina to the other the man, he called them to obey. He said he gave it to them and he expected him to be their king and to for them to put it to good use. and to see the fruit in their lives the one who used the 10 you know he saw the difference he saw the blessing he saw the fruit of it he reaped 10 cities he he was made the king over 10 cities he was given the authority to rule an authority is entrusted to the one who submits to authority hallelujah when you submit to authority you will be given authority 
Hallelujah. That is what Jesus wants for us even today. If you will yield to him, if you will allow him to be your king, to rule and reign, for him to have the last say, for him to have the say in our lives, you're going to see he will take you and make you king over many others. He will put you in position of authority over many situations and many things. Hallelujah. That's what happens as we obey his word. You know, and then even the one who did not have, his manner was taken and given to the one who had already. He was, he was blessed with 10 cities and also given much more. It was a blessing that he did not earn, a blessing that he did not work for. He was granted more because of what he had done already. Because he had yielded to the kingship of Jesus, even what he did not have was given to him. Even what he did not deserve was given to him. It was a disproportionate blessing. Hallelujah. Amen. A king has an authority to bless a person disproportionately. Whatever he wants to give, he can give. Because everything is at his disposal. I said everything is at his disposal. And so a king can lavish upon anyone, whoever he chooses, whoever he has favor upon. He can grant anything and everything that he wants to give. Hallelujah. And that's why you find that, you know, when kings came, when, when, when the king, uh, Artaxerxes came to uh, meet Esther, he said, even half the kingdom I'm willing to give to you. What, what do you want? <laughs> what do you want? Anything you want, I'm giving to you because they had such authority, such power and such um, riches and everything they owned and they possessed. And so everything is at their disposal. Whatever they want, whatever want they want to give, they can give. That is who a king is. Hallelujah. And would you read with me in 2 Kings in chapter number 8? Just for us to ex, uh, understand kingship a little more. 2 Kings in chapter 8, a very unique situation of Elisha dealing with this woman whose son he restored back to life, if you remember the incident. Famine was coming into the land and so the king said, go away with your family and stay for a while. In 2 Kings 8 was 1 to 7. And wherever you can, because the Lord has decreed a famine in the land that will last seven years. The woman proceeded to do as the man of God said. She and her family went away and stayed in the land of the Philistines for seven years. At the end of the seven years, she came back from the land of the Philistines and went to the king to beg for her house and land. The king was talking to Gehazi. Who is Gehazi? Elisha's servant. Elisha was Elijah's servant, right? Elijah was Elijah's servant. And then when Elijah was taken away, the mantle of anointing fell upon Elisha. And Elisha became the prophet of God for Israel. And Gehazi now became the servant for Elisha. And so now the king is talking to Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, and had said, tell me about all the great things Elisha had done. And just as Gehazi was telling the king how Elisha had restored the dead to life, the woman whose son Elisha had brought back to life came to beg the king for her house and land. You see, the woman had gone for a long time to the land of the Philistines. And seven years she has lived there because of the famine. And now she's coming back. What a timing. You see, this is what God does. When he is king, he can orchestrate everything. He can move people from place to place. He can create circumstances, conducive circumstances. 
Hallelujah. For God to bless you. He can create situations where things can happen in your life. The unthinkable can happen when God creates, when God is king over your life. The unthinkable things can begin to happen. And that's what God, what God did right then. The king had just ushered in Gehazi and was having a conversation. Tell me all that the man of God did. And Gehazi was just telling the story of how he even raised people from the dead. And at that moment, the door knocks and the woman walks in. And she comes and says, oh, I've come to beg for my land, my property, my house. I've been seven years away from this land. And, and she's thinking that maybe she might not even get it. Maybe somebody would have taken it away. Just imagine, even, if, even today, if you own a house and you leave it for seven years and you never came back. There's all probability that it was already sold several times. And several documents written in many other names and even your own signature signed there as if you have signed. There's all probability that such things could happen even today. In fact, probably the possibilities are even more today than back then. But you know, that's how it is. And so she comes expecting for some way of finding it and she comes begging. Begging to the king. You never go and exercise your authority to a king. You can't command a king, but you have to beg to a king. And there she comes as usual, as any person who would want a favor comes begging to the king. And Gehazi said, this is a woman, my lord, the king, and this is a son whom Elisha restored to life. Oh, there comes, you know, a spark right there. The, 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 the action is beginning right now. You know, the, 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 the film is running and it's rolling. You know, look at the action there. Verse 6, the king asked the woman about it and she told him, Oh, you are the one. This is a son who was raised to life. Wow, that's amazing. That just brought a wow moment for the king. And just imagine what happens when the king hits a wow moment. Just see what happens. Verse, verse 6, the latter part. Then he assigned an official to her case and said to him, Give back everything that belonged to her, including all the income from her land from the day she left the country until now. I thought somebody would shout a hallelujah. 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 Amen. Isn't that amazing? That why would the king want to give her all the income she lost, she missed to earn? Even if she was in that land, she would have had to earn her bread and earn that income for seven years. But she comes back and the favor of the king was upon her and seven years of income is just given to her at one, at one time. Just imagine, would you put your calculation this morning? Switch on your calculators in your head. And if you're earning about 50,000 rupees a month, a month, and into 12, 6 lakhs, into 7 years, huh? 42 lakhs at one point and with no work, Hallelujah. That is what is the authority of a king. That is what, when, what it means when you say the king has some power. Well, he does not have just some power. He has all the power in the world. And Jesus, the king of kings whom we are talking about, is the king of our lives. Just imagine what he could do in your life to bless you. When he wants to bless you, he can bless you disproportionately even for the things that you've not earned. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Jesus is king over our lives. Jesus is king over our lives. He came to establish his kingdom, his kingship over his people. And when that happens, when that happens, he becomes king over your lives. You have no, you have no idea of how he is able to work things in your life. You have no idea how he is able to orchestrate things. He's no, you have no idea how he is able to bring forth conducive situations. You have no idea in the midst of your loss how he can bring forth such a blessing that you will not even have room enough to contain it. Hallelujah. When Jesus is king, he rules, he reigns, he has authority, he has his say. Hallelujah. Amen. Take him as your king this morning. Amen. Let's go back to Mark's gospel chapter 11. Are you ready for more? Amen. Praise the Lord. It's amazing what the Lord was doing for them. For the people of Israel. He loved them so much. He came to them. He wanted to be their king. He wanted to be their king. But the one who rejected him as king was cast out. He said, cut him off. The enemies against me who stand up against my kingship, cut them off. They're going to lose even what they have. And who the ones who receive him as king are going to receive disproportionate blessing in their lives. Read with, read with me in Mark's gospel chapter 11. And let's see verse number 3. I'm just going to pick verses here and there. We all know the story. We've already read them. Jesus is saying in verse 3 in Mark 11. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Tell him. Tell him the Lord needs it and we'll send it back here shortly. The Lord needs it. Here is talking about the Lordship. The Lord. He's speaking of himself, the Lord. Probably this is one place where he calls himself the Lord. The Lord needs it. The Lordship attributed to him in this place. He's not only king, but he's also Lord. He not only acclaims his kingship. It comes to establish his kingdom, but he's also the Lord. Comes and, at, and people attribute lordship to him. Now you look at this and he goes on to say, if anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Tell him the Lord needs it and we'll send it back here shortly. In the same way, you see, they did not come asking him, asking the owners for permission. You see the kingship there? When he sent the two people to go and get the donkeys and come, he didn't say, when, go find the owners, ask for permission, and if they give the donkeys to you, or they will give the donkey to you and then get them to me. He only told them, if, go untie it, bring it to me. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Tell him the Lord needs it. In other words, just give information. He is Lord over everything. He is the Lord over our lives. He's the Lord over everybody. Hallelujah. Everybody pledges their allegiance to him because he's the Lord of all the earth. All of creation worships him. The Bible says, even the trees of the field clap their hands, the Bible says. Hallelujah. All of creation bows before him, the Bible says. And so everything that is created bows down to acknowledge that he is Lord. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father, Jesus said. And so when Jesus humbled himself, he was receiving for himself a name that is above every other name. 
a name that is above every other name and so you see his lordship here when they asked him what are you doing untying the cord in verse 6 they answered as jesus had told them to and the people let them go they let them go jesus needs it people have to let it go when he is lord hallelujah when he is lord of our lives we let it go we hold back nothing for ourselves he is the lord over everything and now you see also in verse 9 when the people were shouting out and praising him and those who went ahead and those who followed shouted hosanna blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord acknowledging his lordship there again and also read with me in verses 15 to 17 on reaching jerusalem jesus entered the temple area and began driving out those who were buying and selling there he overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts as he taught them he said is it not written my house would be called a house of prayer for all nations but you have made it a den of robbers again here exercising his lordship over his temple the temple belongs to him he is the lord of the temple he is the one who is to be worshiped and prayed to in the temple and so he is saying my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations it will not be a den of robbers which you have made it and so he is exercising his lordship and he wants people to attribute their lordship to him he wants them to call him lord he wants them to worship him truly and have him truly as the lord of their lives he is the lord over the temple this is a house of prayer this is a house of prayer where the people have to pray to him he would not allow his name to be defamed to be uh, you know to be misused he would not allow his 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 uh, temple to be abused he deserves the holy lives of men he deserves the holy lives of people because he is lord and when he becomes the lord of their lives he wants them to be holy he wants what they do to be holy he does not want them to be hypocritically just coming and praying there but on the outside making it a den of robbers he deserves true glory he wants people to give him glory in other words if he needs to be glorified if his reputation has to be magnified it will happen through our lives and our actions and so he did not want his glory to be lost in his temple and so he wanted to be lord if he is lord he deserves holy lives from men for him to be declared as lord hallelujah amen praise the lord and that would bring honor that would bring glory to him but this was bringing disgrace to his name it was bringing disgrace to his temple because it was becoming a house a den of robbers and not a house of prayer truly and so he was bringing back his lordship over his temple over the lives of people once again and he wanted them to attribute lordship by their holy lives and how they would treat his temple and how they would pray with sincere hearts read with me in matthew's gospel and chapter number 21 matthew 21 verses 12 to 16 jesus en- entered the temple area and drove out all who were buying and selling there he overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves it is written he said my house will be called a house of prayer but you're making it a den of robbers 
Verse 14, look at this amazing part. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. You see, on one side, he overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. He got a little violent there. Jesus got a little violent there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and those, the benches of those who were selling doves. But at the same time, he had compassion. Hallelujah. At the same time, he had a heart of compassion for the lame, the sick, the weak, the needy, the powerless. He gave them what they needed. He reached out to them. The blind, the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. Why did he do that? Not just to heal them, not just only to make them whole, but through that for him to declare and to reveal that he is Lord. He's the son of God. He deserves worship and praise. That he is God on foot. That he is the one who was they were waiting for. He's the one who deserves worship and praise. For them to acknowledge and attribute lordship to them. He comes and does miracles right there. He overturns the money changes, the tables and all of that. At the same time, he's also... When the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple area, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. You see again, there's a praise coming that acknowledges that he is Lord, he is king. Which troubled, which, which brought the hatred, which invoked the hatred of the chief priests and the teachers of the law. But the people were shouting and then he says, you see, again in this place, he says, verse 16, do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never heard? From the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise. I deserve praise. It's I who have ordained praise in their lips because I am the Lord of their lives. Hallelujah. He wanted them to acknowledge him as Lord. Because that is when their souls will be saved. He wanted them to praise and to worship him. Because that is when they will know. That is when they would have acknowledged that he is God. He is their savior. He is their messiah. He wanted them to put their trust in him. He wanted them to believe in him. So that their souls will be saved. But here they were in a different orientation. They were in a different focus. They were thinking about Jesus coming and establishing a political kingdom. They were, they were unhappy that he was receiving praise. And they were not honored. These Pharisees, the teachers of the law, the chief priests were not honored and glorified. Because they thought that they were the highest in the temple. They were the men of the greatest authority in the temple. And they were the ones to whom all honor and glory and worship and praise should be given to. Because they, they liked it. They would stand on street corners with their long robes. Remember that portion from Matthew's gospel chapter 24, 23, 24. You know, they would want to be greeted by men like saying, Rabbi, 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 Rabbi. They liked it. Oh, I receive it. But Jesus wanted them to know that the one who is greater than the temple is here. The one who is greater than the chief priests are here. And they do not deserve that worship and praise. But he deserves all glory, honor and praise. 
and so he wanted them to attribute lordship to him he wanted them to declare that he is lord he wanted them to believe that he is the one who has come from god that he is the son of god they praised they praised and he received his received their praise they praised and he received their praise he wants us to revere him in our lives by our holy lives he deserves praise by our holy lives he deserves glory by our holy lives he deserves honor by our holy lives we begin to praise him he wants us to praise reverence in holy life and the praises of our mouth need to go together need to go together that truly glorifies god just praise without holy life is just empty words just songs of praise just words of praise without a holy life is just empty words and a pseudo reverence through just some religious piety and no praise is just hypocrisy a pseudo reverence with just some religious piety and no true praise is simply hypocrisy that is what was there in the lives of the chief priests and the teachers of the law are you with me this morning amen he delighted in the praise of little children what does it mean children are innocent he he loved the innocent heart and the praise that was coming out from their lips that came from a innocent heart hallelujah holy lives and the praise go together they need to go together that truly declares that he is lord of our lives the fact that he is god he is the son of god the fact that he is the lord of all the earth does not change but if he needs to be the lord of our lives he's looking for the heart of a little child that's why jesus said unless you become like little children you cannot enter my kingdom unless you change and become like we so we will have to change and become like little children we all need that change to become like little children to have that innocent heart of reverence to god a heart of holiness a life of purity that would not be like the hypocritical you know religiosity that the pharisees and the teachers of the law and the chief priests had but the innocent heart that truly believes in jesus they saw the miracles the children began to praise him oh god is good all the time amen they didn't sing that right there but they said hosanna they began to praise him but it was innocent he delighted in the praises of the children and he said have you not read out of the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise god has ordained praise in the hearts of those who have innocence and who truly have a heart to praise him his heart is to do miracles for us he exercises his lordship through that he wants us to acknowledge him if you experience miracles in your lives we need to acknowledge this morning and say yes he is the lord of my life hallelujah and how am i going to declare that he is the lord of my life not just by a false religiosity of some pious appearance and external looks and actions 
but true spirituality true heart of innocence that i will change and become like a young child like a little child and have a heart of innocence that will bring forth true praise to god and declare that he is lord he is lord and then when we sing he is lord he is lord he has risen from the dead and he is lord every Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is Lord. He is Lord. Hallelujah. we change we want to change and become like little children and to acknowledge that you are lord hallelujah this morning you are the lord of our lives you are the lord of our lives amen hallelujah and when he is lifted up see what happens in exodus chapter 20 exodus chapter 20 and verse 24 exodus chapter 20 and verse 24 after the lord gave the 10 commandments he said this hallelujah come before me he told them make an altar of earth for me sacrifice on it burnt offerings and fellowship offerings your sheep and your goats and your cattle wherever i cause my name to be honored i will come to you and bless you hallelujah he calls them to come and offer sacrifices for their sins offer sacrifices that will bring worship unto him and so we also read in romans chapter 12 verse 1 and 2 offer your bodies as a living sacrifice today we do not need to offer the blood of bulls and goats because the blood of jesus has taken away sins once and for all but today what we need to give is offer our bodies as a living sacrifice and so when we offer ourselves to jesus and have him the lord of our lives and live a pure and a holy life as we are renewed in our minds and experience a transformation in our lives you are offering yourself as a sacrifice to god and when you are offering yourself as a sacrifice to god what happens is that he says wherever i cause my name to be honored i will come there and bless you hallelujah he will come to you and bless you when you offer yourself holy and pleasing to the lord amen the one who has his heart and his life like the heart of a child who changes and becomes like a child has a heart of innocence and who's offering to god a body that is pure and holy he cannot but come and bless there hallelujah brother sister when you offering yourself as you are being transformed in your life and offering your body as a living sacrifice god cannot but come to you 
and bless you he cannot but withhold he cannot withhold his blessings from you but he will bestow his blessing hallelujah you have created a situation where he cannot but bless and bless only hallelujah hallelujah because he is well pleased with a pure heart amen he is well pleased when he sees a pure life but he cannot but come to you for he dwells amongst the holy for he said be holy as i am holy he comes to dwell among us and when he finds a holy residence he will take residence there hallelujah amen and he will bless you wherever i cause my name to be honored i will come to you and bless you and so when you have jesus as the lord of your life it is not just saying oh he is lord but it is to have a heart a life like the heart of a child that will cry out to say jesus is lord both by word of mouth and through our lives we glorify his name we glorify his name it pleases him and so when it we cause his name to be honored through our lives he will come and bless us hallelujah you see the blessing that came upon the life of the people of israel as they continued to offer sacrifice unto god he granted them amazing blessings he threw out the seven nations that were sitting there and made them to dispossess seven nations and take control of those seven nations he gave them a dwelling place a permanent dwelling place a land flowing with milk and honey he came and blessed them every time the moses would offer sacrifices and every time the people of israel would offer sacrifices the priests would offer sacrifices you find that god would come down and bless them hallelujah hallelujah you will not go without the blessing of god upon your life as you have him as a lord of your life and thirdly and lastly jesus comes into jerusalem to establish his messiahship firstly his kingship secondly his lordship And thirdly, his messiahship. Mark's Gospel, chapter 11. And let's read verses 9 and 10. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. When they shouted Hosanna repeatedly, they were saying, Lord, come and save us. they were waiting for the messiah the people of israel were waiting for a long time and when they prayed when they made this exclamation of prayer and praise they were speaking of his messiahship lord come save us we need a savior to come and save us but they were looking for a savior who will save them from political oppression they were looking for a savior who will save them from the rulership of the king of the of of caesar the king but jesus wanted to be the messiah of their souls hallelujah the greater bondage they were in is the bondage and the slavery of their own souls of sin that was ruling and enslaving them jesus wanted to save them from the sins of all mankind and jesus comes there interestingly verse 12 onwards you read the next day as they were leaving bethany jesus was hungry seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf a fig tree in leaf he went to find out of if it had any fruit when he reached it he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs jesus if somebody was there probably if you were or i was there we would have asked jesus come on 
it is not the season for figs. Can you look for mangoes in December? No, you will not find them. Because the season for mangoes is from probably April, May, June and probably are going up to June, end of July. And we are all waiting for them. But Jesus is looking for the fig in the fig tree and he finds and he also the writer mentions it's not the season for figs why did he get angry with the fig tree it looks like Jesus is really mad at this point it looks like probably he had a rough day at home because he comes to the temple and he's overthrowing tables and throwing chairs and when he comes, to, comes outside and he's hungry, no food, he's throwing the plate away. He's cursing the fig tree. You know? Have you seen plates flying? No figs. No food. Curse it. What is Jesus? Did he have a problem with his mom? And then it says... And he says, verse 14, Then he said to the tree, May no one ever f- eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him. And then you see the Jerusalem entry in the, into the temple area. And Jesus overthrowing all of that is sandwiched there. You see how Mark has arranged his material. He talks about Jesus cursing the fig tree. And then between that and again when the disciples are coming back. You see after that passage... In verse 20, in the morning as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed is withered. He's cursing the fig tree. There's no fruit. It was not the season. There are only leaves. And then you find the next day Jesus coming back. The other slice of the bread. Jesus coming back and the disciples see, oh see, the fig tree is withered. You cursed and withered. And between that is sandwiched a portion. The filling is Jesus going to the temple, overthrowing these tables, cleansing the temple. All of this put together speaks of his messiahship. Let me explain. You don't find fig fruit when it's not in season. It's usually May, June. And this is sometime around end of March. Where you don't have fruit. It's not the season. But why is Jesus looking for fruit when it's not the season for fruit? Or how can you expect for fruit when it's not the season for fruit? Because the nature of a fig tree is that it would produce small knobs through the year before the real figs come it will produce knobs and those are good for eating and so most often passers by in those times would pick the knobs eat and walk and whenever the leaves have come up the knobs would also come up along at the same time but in this tree the the leaves were there and when the leaves are there it shows that the knobs would be there as well and in Arabic, they call it tashk. Tashk. 
the knobs are not there and so it was very deceptive it looked like it would have the knobs and they could pluck and eat but when it came when he came close and he saw no it didn't have the fruit it only had the appearance of fruit within but no fruit are you with me this morning jesus said john the baptist said produce fruit in keeping with repentance produce fruit in keeping with repentance if you say if you are a child of god if you say he is your messiah he is your savior produce its fruit is there a change is there a transformation is there good fruit coming out or is there are you producing bad fruit or is there no fruit at all and jesus said i have chosen you to bear fruit fruit that will last he's looking for fruit of repentance he's looking for the fruit in the lives of the people of israel and when he enters the temple into jerusalem there is no fruit of godliness there's no fruit of reverence there's no fruit of true worship and so he says i am the messiah i came to save i came to cleanse you and so the act of throwing away the overturning the tables and turning the benches of the those who sold doves is an act of cleansing for which jesus came that is the work of the messiah hallelujah are you with me this morning he was looking for fruit it was very deceptive it was a whitewashed tomb it was hollow on the inside there was nothing inside there was nothing good inside it looked like it had some fruit it looked like it looked good but it didn't have what it needs to have do we have what we need to have or we have only a form of what we actually should have are you hearing me this morning do we have what we should have or are we having only a form of what we just should have are we only having an appearance of what we actually should have but we should have that true repentance and fruit that comes out of repentance good fruit as a messiah who came to cleanse when he started his ministry he did the same thing he came and overturned the ta- tables of the money changers he brought forth the cleansing and when he finished his ministry he also brought forth the cleansing he did the same thing he cleansed the temple hallelujah we need a cleansing this morning amen we need a cleansing and we want to see good fruit that is coming out of our lives fruit keeping in with repentance hallelujah fruit that is an outcome of repentance there's a victory parade that jesus is taking to establish his kingship there's a victory parade that jesus is taking to establish for his lordship to be attributed to attribute his lordship that people will adore him and acknowledge him truly as lord that he will truly be the lord of our lives as the children had him as the lord of their lives he comes as a messiah to cleanse us sanctify us hallelujah because if there is no fruit that tree that bears no fruit will be cut down the axe is laid at the root and the gardener is coming hallelujah and one of these days the gardener will come to bring forth the cleansing and he has started the work of cleansing already hallelujah 
and he wants to cleanse us this morning as the messiah who comes to pay the penalty for the sins of all mankind his messiahship is attested you know attestation when you have a document and you want to prove and say this document is actually original this is the true thing this is the real thing and you want somebody a gazetted ranking officer who signs with the green ink to sign in that document probably you're giving a photocopy and you want it to be attested all of us would have done that at some point in our lives you get an attestation from a head of institution or some gazetted rank officer but jesus was attesting his own messiahship to the people to the jewish people he was signing it up and saying hey i am the messiah putting the seal by this prophetic act that he did of cursing the fig tree israel jerusalem and he weeps over jerusalem and he curses the fig tree he says jerusalem how i long to gather you like a hen that would gather her chicks why because he loved them so much and he came to die for them and he wanted them to accept him as their savior and he wanted them to be delivered from the true bondage of sin he did not want them to just have a form of godliness without the power he wanted them to be pure and holy and be cleansed and so he authenticates his own messiahship by demonstrating how the fig tree had this green leaves no knobs nothing to eat from it no fruit and he cursed it and it withers away immediately this act of cleansing is a foretelling of the forgiveness and the cleansing that will come to all men in his name the good news is there's a victory parade this morning and you can vo- join the victory parade hallelujah and he will cleanse you from all your sins and unrighteousness if you confess your sins he is faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins and our unrighteousness and he goes on to teach this we'll close with this in this context you see these things are not disjointed jesus the whole thing is one whole teaching that is coming out here and after that the people were amazed and they saw that the fig tree had withered immediately and the next morning it was completely withered from the roots verse 21 peter remembered and said to jesus rabbi look the fig tree you cursed has withered mark 11 22 jesus saying have faith in god hey have faith in me Jesus answered I tell you the truth if anyone says to this mountain go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart believe but believes what he has say what he says will happen it will be done for him therefore I tell you whatever you ask for in prayer believe that you have received it and it will be yours and when you stand praying if you hold anything against anyone forgive him so that your father in heaven may forgive you your sins you see again he's talking about the cleansing if you hold anything against your brother forgive him produce fruit in giving with repentance let there be fruit but when you see the fruit coming out have faith in me what he's calling is calling them to come into a relationship with him teaching them about prayer come pray to me talk to me what do you need in your life i am there to give to you and whatever you say will also happen when you come into this relationship with me have faith in god Oh you've been having this form of godliness you've been having this form of religion but without a f- true faith in God you've not been in a relationship with him because sin has come as a barrier and so he is cleansing 
He's calling them to a cleansing and he's saying, I am come, I've come as a Messiah to cleanse you of your sins, to pay the penalty of the sins. I've come to save your soul. And by that, when you believe in me, your sins are going to be forgiven. And even if you have anything against anyone, when you come in prayer, when you come into a relationship with me, make sure that you don't have any barriers between us. When you forgive, even if somebody has wronged you, he will forgive your sins. You will be cleansed and thereby you will, the door to my presence is open and you can come into this intimate relationship with me. When you have come into this messiahship, when you acknowledge my messiahship, when you have received me as your messiah, you've been cleansed, you have this new relationship and by that, whatever you say, I'm going to back you up with it. Hallelujah. You can speak to this mountain and say, be cast out into the sea and I'm going to do what you say. Hallelujah. Because we are in this new family of God. We have come into this new relationship. I'm there for you. I'm not against you. I'm there to do what you want, what you need. Speak to this mountain and say, be thou cast into the sea and I will back up your words with my action. Hallelujah. You just need this cleansing. Come into this new relationship with Jesus. He's going to back up your words. Hallelujah. Whatever you ask in prayer, believe and ask and it will be done to you. It will happen. Go through yourself and does not doubt in his heart but believes what he says will happen. It will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, verse 24, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. What do you need this morning? When you have Jesus as your Messiah, you've found this new relationship. You've come to trust in him. You've come into this relationship of trust. Relationship, in any relationship involves trust. And when you begin to trust him, and when you have been cleansed, there's no sin barrier within. And so you can come to him freely and say, go cast yourself in the ocean. And it will happen. Whatever you ask without doubting, pray and he will do it for you because you come into this new relationship. Everybody who calls out the name of Jesus, he will hear. But there is something special about the ones who have come into this relationship with him. Hallelujah. He will back them up on their words. Amen. Hallelujah. Whatever they ask, believing. Whatever you confess with your mouth. Whatever you pray, believing. Whatever you say, he will do. Hallelujah. Because you've taken him as your Messiah. Amen. Would you have him as your king? Would you have him as your Lord? Would you have him as your Messiah? What more do you need? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's everything for us. Amen. Shall we pray?